Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I'm thrilled that you're joining me again today, especially if you're a father who is ready to add another tool to your fathering toolbox. And even though I specialize in the dad-daughter relationship, rest assured that the conversations we have here are designed to enhance all of your relationships. Well, before we delve into our conversation today, I want to review the template that works as a grid to guide our conversation each week, which is on your mark, get set, go. So dads, for on your mark, I want you to envision standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach saying on your mark, which is the topic or the theme, get set is filling that in with stories and stats and go That is always your practical way to put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today I'm honored to have my friend John Finch joining me, and this is part one of a two-part series where he will be sharing his raw and real story about how his relationship with his dad has significantly shaped his life. John is the founder of the Father Effect Ministries and is also the creator and storyteller of a documentary called The Father Effect Movie, which I strongly encourage you to watch at thefathereffect.com because it's a powerful telling of his story and he's also written a book with the same title, The Father Effect, Hope and Healing from a Dad's Absence. He lives in Texas with his wife, Michelle. And they've been married for 25 years and together are raising three daughters, Ellie, Brooke, and Sydney. Welcome, John Finch. Thank you, Dr. Michelle. Thanks for having me. Well, we've been friends for a lot of years and we finally are making this work to bring your story to life. So thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule to be here. Well, thanks again. It's it's a pleasure and, and, and an honor to be on your show. Well, You and I have prepared for a couple conversations, part one, part two, and on your mark, the title we've given today's conversation is How to Forgive a Father Who Abandoned You. So how about Forget Set, if you would start, John, just sharing a little bit of your story that sets the foundation for our conversation today about your relationship with your dad. Sure. So I grew up um, without a father for most of my life. My dad committed suicide when I was 11. Now, there was a, a lot of backstory that I came to understand later in life that, mm-hmm. that really led me and helped me to forgive my dad. But he got wrapped up in the mafia and got sent to prison, and, and that's kind of a whole other story. But it, it was really just understanding, um, you know, not at the time when he committed the suicide, but understanding walking along, not having a dad walking alongside me as a young man, you know, I was lost. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what it meant to be a real man. And so I just bought into everything that the world says you need to be as a, as a man and a young man. It's the success, the power, the money, all those things. And this is even when you would claim to be a Jesus follower, right? So it wasn't like that was your life was devoid of having biblical influence and Christian values, right? Right. No, I grew up in church, and, and that was part of it. I was what they call a poser, or what John Eldridge would, would refer to as a poser. You know, because I knew the lingo and knew exactly what to say, I had, you know, <laughs> I had the, the script down. I could pretend to be this great Christian guy who read his Bible every day, and yet when I was on the road as a traveling salesman, I was a whole different man. Mm-hmm. 
And you now look back and see that the loss of your father when he committed suicide at 11 had such significant impact on how all of your life unfolded, right? Absolutely. You know, I just, I I buried myself in alcohol. Uh, I had this major father wound that I came to understand later in life. And and my issue was abandonment. Mm -hmm. And I was just hurting so deeply uh, for 30 years. And and my way of of covering that up, of medicating it, was alcohol. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I've so appreciated, both in your book and your movie, is that you're so honest about the fact that you never even put all of this together. So I think what I really want to underscore here at the start of our conversation, John, is that you can't do the forgiveness piece if you haven't faced the the wound and faced the impact of the abandonment. Right. You know, for me, and I I say this in the book, I, I was so scared to face this monster in the mirror that I had created. All the shame and unworthiness and guilt and, and all of those things that, you know, that I had done as both a man, husband, father, you know, you name it. And so for me to get to this place, and, and really God took me to a place of brokenness, which is where he had to take me to get my attention. And it was in that moment that I came to understand I had to face this monster, I had to face this issue of abandonment and really start to dive into it. Because if I wanted to ultimately be the man God called me to be, I had to, I had to face the pain. And it takes courage to pick up the phone and make an appointment with a counselor to say, I need support to do that. Right? A lot of men would say, I can do this on my own. I've got it. I'll read a book. But you said, I've got to open up my story to another person who I invite into the trenches of my pain, right? Yes. You know, I talk about the steps toward forgiveness. And and the first one that's the biggest, most difficult, especially for men, is admitting you're wounded. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I went for 30 years. And did not want to admit that I was wounded because I thought it, it somehow would make me look less of a man. And so I had to get to that point, admit I was wounded, and, you know, admit that I needed help. I needed a guide. And I was very thankful for my uh, counselor because he was this Aaron to Moses. He was the one kind of inter- in continuing to encourage me, you know, and walking through doors that I did not want to walk through. He was walking through them with me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I sat in his office many days, and I couldn't even say the word dad without just weeping because of what that meant to me in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to quote you back to yourself here, because one of the things that you said that powerfully impacted me, here's your quote, we weren't created to walk around carrying this bag of unforgiveness. It's understanding our own junk, which impacts our kids. And as you talk, John, I have to wonder how many fathers are carrying around these, what you call bags of unforgiveness toward their fathers who have either wounded them or like you abandoned them, but they don't know how to quote, understand their own junk, as you called it. So as a result, right, their kids are now suffering the consequences of a dad who's distracted or numbing out. So where would you tell a dad to even begin if he wants to start looking at his own stuff, his own junk, so he can be a better dad to his kids? You know, for me, and this is what I would suggest for any man, is you really got to look at your generational 
issue. Uh, you know, I talk to so many men, and it's amazing the ones that don't think about if they're struggling with alcohol. I ask them about their dad, and they say, you know what, now that I think about my dad struggled a little bit, I said, what about your grandfather? You know what? Now that you say that, I think my grandfather, you know, he liked his alcohol too. And they don't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. It's a generational thing that's being passed down. And, and so many men are angry and they don't know why. And so many times it's this father thing. So really looking back at your the, the generational history, understanding the good, the bad, and the ugly that your dad passed down to you, and really the pivotal key peace for for everything for me to find forgiveness for my dad mm-hmm. was understanding he could not give what he did not have wow say that again he could not give what he did not have what what that meant for me was understanding i had really dug into his story of growing up without a dad his mom had five husbands uh he was dropped off in the middle of new orleans to live on his own at the age of 16 and so God, in this process of having these conversations with my mom, my aunt, my uncle, all these people that knew my dad, I came to understand that he didn't have a clue and didn't have a chance, really, because he didn't have any kind of father figure in his life. So how can I expect him to know how to be a dad? Right, right, which brought you through the anger to more compassion. Absolutely. God softened my heart. To my dad's story and and for years for 30 years I referred to him as a coward and I would just get mad thinking about it now it's just compassion and love and and, and I wish so badly that he would have understand this understood this issue of a father wound and, and found forgiveness himself right for his father wounds as you said yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know it takes so much courage for any of us, right, female, male, to admit that we have father wounds or father voids, which I think is yours, the absences, the lack of investment from your dad, because he was even in and out of prison for years before he took his life, right, when you were 11. So you grew up a lot without a dad. Yeah, even, I don't have a lot of memories of my father, even up to 11 when he committed suicide. He was gone a lot. Uh, and my dad had a lot of issues. That was the other part of God revealing a lot of things to me. He he suffered from an incredible depression and paranoia and just some mental health issues. Um, you know, my mom tells this story about how they would get into financial trouble. The electricity would get cut off or whatever. Cause my, my dad loved to gamble and do other things, and he would just go blow his money. And he would just take off and disappear for days on end. Wow. When things got rough. So my mom would, would you know, kind of scramble and get stuff together and, 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 you know, get the money and pay for the electricity and take care of things. He would show back up as if nothing ever happened. Hmm. Yeah. Where you've got this gaping wound. Like, Dad, you don't even do- know what part of my life you missed. Right? Dad, you don't even know what part of my life you missed because you weren't here to be a part of my life. Yeah, and to that point, you know, there's so many guys I've talked to also that their dads have no idea they need to be forgiven because in their minds, they've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we interviewed a, a Larry North, a fitness guy for the movie, and his dad was a big gambler and would disappear, you know, for weeks at a time. 
and he'd come back in his life and and just talk like no big deal and Larry tells about this conversation about his dad literally not thinking he had ever done anything wrong, had ever wounded him in any way. Mm. And he was gone most of his life, you know, and, and and so it's so much of the time those that need to be forgiven don't even know they need to be forgiven. Yeah, exactly. And even this week, John, I had in my counseling office a man sitting here in front of me right, who's trusting me with his painful story. And when he starts talking about his dad and the pain of his dad's story that's impacted his story, his life story, that's where the tears begin to flow. That's what I see with men is once they go to the pain, the anger dissipates because it's like, and I know this is a gross analogy, but it's kind of like popping the zit. There's something that's toxic and an infection down in there, and it has to be released emotionally, mentally, spiritually, as much as we do with physical infection, right? Yes, and and the one thing we've got to get past uh, as a society, especially with men, is this idea that we can't be real and authentic and transparent with one another. Because it's in that, in those conversations with men, where you can just be real about your junk and your stuff, Mm-hmm. that we come to understand we're not the only ones going through this. Right. You know, whether it's pornography, depression, anger, doesn't matter. I've talked to enough men and, and, and women for that fact, but, but men who just, man, they're dying inside, but they think they're all alone and they're the only ones going through it. And and I'm in small groups all the time with men, and I start to share my story and, and tell about my own struggles and issues. And guys, there's a wall that starts to come down. They start to realize, whoa, hold on a second. You struggle with that, too? Mm-hmm. Man, I thought I was the only one. So, yeah. you know, this band of brothers, we really have to have to get to a point in our lives. And, and most men don't have really good friends. We've got to have those one or two guys, man, that are our go-to, that know all our junk, that can talk us off the ledge when we're dealing with all the stuff we deal with. Mm -hmm. And you know that I love having go steps right at the end, but maybe a go step, an action step for a man listening today is to, one, go find one other man and tell him what's really going on, even if you think you don't know him enough to dump your stuff in front of him. And number two, the other thing, John, that you've said so far that I think is really powerful is that whether or not your dad is living, go talk to your mom, go talk to an aunt, a grandma, an uncle, and start to hear more of your dad's story that he may not be able to tell you, but that's part of his history because it's going to inform you on what's going on under the surface for your dad. Well, if you're just listening, I'm talking to my friend, John Finch, founder and author of the book, The Father Effect. He's also created a powerful documentary called The Father Effect Movie. You can go to his website. It's a phenomenal movie that I know you're going to love. So, John, let me ask you now another question that goes a little bit deeper, because you've talked a little bit about going back to whether you want to call it that 11-year-old boy inside or back to the 11-year-old who had pain. What's that process been like for you? Because I don't know a lot of men that tell me, I went back to my 11-year-old self, or I've connected with that pain, and yet you have found that to be about a very powerful part of your story. You know, it has. I uh, There were times, many, many times throughout the years where I literally felt like an 11-year-old boy. 
Uh, I but you didn't know back. that at the time, right? This is looking no, back. No, I didn't know. But it was the unworthiness, not getting that affirmation from a father. Mm-hmm. And so it was like the, I was this 11-year-old boy at times in my life that things would come up that I, I was taken back to that time. of. It's like I almost had got stuck there because of what happened with my father. And again, for all those many years, not getting the affirmation. You know, something I've struggled with for years is, is confidence. And if you look at young boys and even men that had a father that was loving, caring, involved, engaged, all of that, there's a confidence that comes with that. You're right, yeah. When you don't have that, when your dad's abandoned you or you didn't have that kind of relationship with your father, there's all these questions, like John Eldridge would say, do I have what it takes to be a man? And, and there was that question throughout all of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I even find it powerful that, that you've said, I've got to go back. I've got to face the wound. I've got to feel it. I've got to face it. Right? I've got to trust another person with my stuff. Because have you ever heard someone say, they've quoted Philippians 3.13, like, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, what would you tell that dad listening who says, I don't need to go back? You know, there's purification in the process, right? I believe, I truly believe God purified me and my heart when it relates to the issues with my dad because I went back. And, and there's healing. It's therapeutic to go back and to look at some of those things and, and even more importantly, then understand why I had the behavior that I had and what I could do then to correct it. So I think we have to look back at those things that impacted us because they made and molded us into who we are. Obviously, don't stay there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to live in your past, but there's a valuable piece in learning that mm-hmm. because all of us have been shaped by our, the lack of a father or a great father. And, and to look at those things and evaluate them and be able to understand, you know, how that made you into who you are today as a man, husband, and father, it's, it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. You know, there was another person you interviewed in your movie, a mutual friend of ours, Gordon Dalby, author of Healing the Masculine Soul. Can you share a little bit, John, about what he revealed in the movie? Because I found it really impactful. Oh, Gordon was so, so just amazing. And the guy had been doing this type of father ministry for 50 years. Yeah. I mean, he, he's phenomenal. So Gordon Dalby was amazing. He uh, he was just, he had so much great information because he had been doing this father ministry for, for 50, 60 years. Mm. And one of the quotes he has in the movie is this. He says, a little boy cries from his father's wounds. A real man cries for his father's wounds. Mm. And, I, and I'll tell you what, that was, for me, that was like the, I mean, that was the, the, the quote that drove everything home for me. Mm-hmm. Because for so many years, I was acting almost as if this little boy uh, that was trying to figure out what my issue was and had no idea that it was this father wound thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then here's the million-dollar question, John. How has forgiving your dad impacted you as a dad to your three daughters, especially? 
You know, you can ask my wife. She's seen an incredible change. Uh, one of the one of the questions I asked her right after God started this change in me and this transition, and I found forgiveness from my dad. I, I asked her. I said, "Honey, do you have any regrets?" And she said, "You know, the only regret I have is that the John Finch I know today is not the same John Finch I would have known for the first fourteen years of our marriage." Mm-hmm. And so it was bittersweet, but but the way it's helped me become radically different as a man, husband, and father is in my relationships. It's, I don't have that anger anymore. We talked about this earlier. I don't have this anger that, that most guys have no idea. And I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It was seeping out of me in all kinds of different ways, in my relationships, in my self-worth, all of these things. I would get so upset with my girls and little bitty stuff, mm-hmm. little things. And and so this anger was just coming out in ways that I never thought about, didn't recognize, and never imagined. And so for that anger to be gone, it yeah. was like I was a new man. It, the, the, I remember walking out of the counselor's office once I found forgiveness and the sky was blue or the grass was greener. It was this huge burden had been lifted and God was giving me a second chance to be a new man, husband, and father. Yeah, yeah. And you had to face the pain, feel the pain, release the pain to move through the anger to forgiveness. So what would you tell a woman or a man listening is a first place to start if they want to forgive their dad? Learn more about him and his history, how it is that he grew up, what his dad was like. Um, you know, it's, it's that part of it, that piece of it mm-hmm. that I think God can use in prayer through that that God can use to reveal to you uh, a man that you may not have any idea that was really there, uh, a man, you know, that, that maybe you didn't even really know. And I've talked to many, many men who, man, when they started digging into this, there was stuff they found out about their dad that just blew them away. So understanding your dad's history and, and, and what made him into who he is, can also help you understand some of the decisions that he made and and how he acted towards you and how he fathered you. Mm -hmm. And is that the go step that you would give men and women listening today? Or is there anything else that you want to give as a final exclamation point as we end part one today? We'll do part two next week that you would say, here's another go step. So I think the, the, the most important thing, probably another ghost step, a very important ghost step is to admit you're wounded. I talked a little bit about that earlier. That's a pride issue with so many men. And again, we don't want to do it because we think it makes us look weak, mm-hmm. but we have to admit we're wounded in order for then God to do his thing in us. Yeah, there you go. Wow, John, thank you so much for being here today. On Your Mark has been How to Forgive a Father Who Abandoned You. You've heard from my friend John Finch, and we're going to continue this conversation next week. I hope you'll join us. So between today and next week, dads, I encourage you to take his challenges to heart. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com, where you will find free resources and you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link on Amazon to my book, Dad, Here's What I Really Need From You, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart. 
Remember, you can also subscribe to the Dad Whisperer podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and listen back to any of the past shows. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go Dads! Go Dads!